Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more and maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax, I'm going to tell you a story. Hey friends, it's Michael Kingswood, back at you again with story time. And I'm not going to waste too much time on this one, just go straight back into the story. Uh, Hope everybody had a great Christmas. New Year's Eve is today when I post this. And uh, hope you have fun with uh, New Year's. Let's get right back into The Beast and the God Woman. Last we left off, they had just ended up uh, cremating Carol's husband or companion or whatever he was, the mysterious god man named Eric, and uh, Shumei, the eldest elder in the village, uh, was concerned that the beast might follow her up into the mountains now that she's come up to be with them. We'll continue on and see where it goes from there. Talk to you on the flip side. The Beast and the God Woman. Written by me. Read by me. And again, I apologize as usual for that. Part 3. The next morning, Kaylee and Carol spoke for a long time near the outskirts of the village. Yili noticed them together as he was preparing a snare that he intended to set later that day. He was struck, again, by how different they were. How radiant Carol was even with her eyes sunken and dark from a night spent weeping. And how plain Kaylee was by comparison, like a wilting flower. He hated himself for thinking of her that way, but he could not shake the comparison from his mind. He needed to focus. He turned away from them, putting all his attention on the snare he was constructing. A few moments later, Kaylee's voice from behind his back intruded. She wishes to go back to the beach, to where Eric died. Yili felt a chill. Dread seeped into his bones as he turned to look at his wife. Are you sure? Kaylee nodded. Her speech is still difficult, but she swallowed and managed a half smile. She was very clear about that. A number of curses that were so foul no one ever gave them voice, at least not in public, sprang to mind. Taking her to the beach, that would potentially be bad. Very bad. What if the beast came for her? But even as he thought that, he knew he could not refuse her this thing. He nodded. When? Kaylee looked at him askance, and he sighed. All right, let me finish this last lashing. I was going to set the snare down near the base of the mountain anyway. He stood, hefting the snare. It was not very heavy, but it was bulky, and took some adjusting to carry comfortably. Then he followed Kaylee through the foliage at the edge of the village until they met Carol, not far from the path down the mountain. As always, she was enchanting to behold. His eyes were drawn down to the scraps that covered her breast before he could control them. As quickly as he could, he forced them to her face, lest she sense his vulnerability, his shame feeling something like that for a woman beside his wife. For heartbeat, he thought she smiled slightly, a knowing smile that said his ruse was easily detected. Surely not. She was still in mourning. And yet, Kaylee went to him after mourning for much less time than Carol had spent. A woman wants to be desired, does she not? 
Yili shook off that thought. It was not appropriate, and led the women on the path down the mountain and from there to the beach. He only paused to set his snare near a small game path that had yielded good takings in the past. It took a long time to reach the beach where he had observed Carol and Eric's arrival. The whole way, he remembered the fear that drove him upwards with Carol over his shoulder, the weight of her pressing down and making every footstep an effort, the nagging feeling in the back of his mind that by saving her from the beast, he was interfering in a divine play that man was not meant to take part in. Unbidden, and despite his efforts to not look back at her, the image of Carol as he had first seen her, unconscious and unashamed on the beach, the sun god beating down on her toned arms and legs, the chill of the sea making her nipples rise against the strange fabric that covered them, Yili stopped, forcing himself to think of something else as he realized he was reacting with desire for her, for someone other than his wife. It was not right, all the more, since she was from the gods herself. From then on, he increased his pace to the beach, almost leaving the women behind completely, until finally he reached the pair of trees he remembered from that day. He stood there, panting for a long time, or at least it felt long, before Carol and Kaylee caught up. Plenty of time to get himself under control again, though. He turned to look at them, at Carol, and pointed out past the line of palm trees, past the burning white sand, toward the lagoon and beyond the breakers, where, even now, the top of the tree that had grown out from the thing she and Eric had arrived on still protruded from the water. Carol turned her head to follow his extended finger. When she saw the tree, she gasped and hurried out onto the sand, heedless of the way the sun god turned the sand to fire in the early afternoon hours. It sometimes even made Yili's feet hurt, calloused as they were. And yet, Carol seemed not to notice. She ran down the beach at full speed, plunging into the lapping surf of the lagoon and wading ever deeper until the water was up to her hips. Then she lunged forward, her body lying atop the water somehow, and pulled herself toward the breakers in the strange tree with rhythmic pulls from her arms that were similar, but not exactly the same, as those Eric had used to get himself and her to the beach in the first place. Yili stood there, stunned, and could only watch as she did it. His rational mind could not keep up with what she was doing. He had witnessed Eric moving through the water naturally, as though he had been born to it, but Yili had presumed that was because of the life-or-death nature of what was happening. Several times in his memory, men had found themselves able to do amazing things when their lives depended on it. And yet, apparently, Eric's ability to move through the water was not specific to him or even driven by severe danger. It could not be, since Carol had the ability as well, and she was certainly not threatened before she reached the water. Was she? Yili felt a sudden surge of fear and cast about quickly, searching for any sign of the enemy, the beast. But there was no sign, not even a hint of a shadow at the edge of his vision. He breathed a sigh of relief. Beside him, Kaylee looked more curious than frightened as she followed Carol with her eyes, but then she had not seen what happened before, what Yili would not give to be pure of that sight again. He found himself taking her hand as he stepped out onto the beach, following Carol's footprints. She followed only with the slightest hesitation. They stopped a few feet above the highest reach of the surf, small as it was. In spite of his nerves, Yili found himself reveling in the sun god's touch upon his skin. It had been too long since he last allowed himself to feel his warmth. It was like returning home, somehow. Ahead, Carol was nearing the constantly pounding surf that marked the breaker's location. She stopped moving forward and instead bobbed there for a time. How she managed that, Yili could not guess, and yet she did. Her head moved from side to side. She was clearly surveying the scene and weighing her options. Smart. Finally, she seemed to roll over herself and sank beneath the waves, her feet kicking above the water for just a second before she vanished completely. 
Beside him, Kaylee gasped. Is she... She broke off. The stress in her voice was matched on her face, which had grown pale, though not as pale as Carol's. Yili shook his head. I do not think so. The gods did not bring her here so she could die in the water. No sooner had his words left his lips than Carol reappeared, her head breaking the water in a rush. Again, she bobbed for a time, and then she went back under. And again. And again. Yili lost count of the number of times she went under. At first, Kaylee was nervous with each disappearance. In truth, so was he, though he chose not to reveal it to Kaylee. Better only one of them be afraid. But after a few trips, even she became calm. After all, Carol always came back up. Finally, after more times diving beneath the waves than Yili cared to count, Carol rose from the depths and turned around, then began pulling herself toward the beach. And them. As before, when he watched Eric pull himself and her from the water, Yili found himself entranced, watching her. The way she was able to turn the water to her will, that alone spoke of her divine origins. He forced himself to stop thinking of other reasons she belonged in the heavens above. That was not fitting. All the same, when she found her footing in the shallows near the beach and rose to her full height, Yili found himself gaping. The water streamed down her toned body, reflecting the light of the sun god in ways he had never imagined. It was difficult to avoid becoming entranced. Fortunately, when he glanced aside at Kaylee, he saw she was similarly impressed and had to force her eyes away from the god woman to meet his. She smiled shyly, as though she were a newly flowered woman, flirting with a man she thought might make a good husband. What thoughts went through her mind to act like that? Carol's voice drew both their eyes back to her. She wore a broad smile and held up a strange object for them to see. It was long and round like a piece of wood. But wood it was not, colored like the sky at the sunset the way it was. And it had a bulbous end, sheathed in see-through material of some kind. Yili could see another bulb thing below the material as well. What was that? He found himself retreating a half-step. Kaylee did the same. Carol's grin became wider, and she laughed before speaking. Her words were unintelligible, but when she gestured toward the object, Yili thought she said something that sounded like Eperb. He just stared back at her and shrugged in confusion. Carol opened her mouth to speak again, and just then, Yili saw it. A flash of darkness at the edge of his vision. Oh, gods. He feared the beast would come, but after so much time waiting for the godwoman, he had dared to hope that it would not. Yili turned away from Carol, casting around the beach quickly as he tried to locate the beast. Nothing. Then another flash of black. To the right this time. Run! His shout caused Kaylee to jump. From the corner of his eye, he saw her look at him with confusion mixed with fear. The beast, he snarled. He reached out and pushed her shoulder, sending her stumbling toward the tree line. Run! Kaylee ran, and Yili followed. Behind him, he heard Carol exclaim in surprise, and he thought, anger. But after a few seconds, her footsteps followed in rapid succession. She was running. Thank the gods. Yili turned his head quickly left and right, but again he could not see anything concrete. The occasional flash of darkness, but never the dark mass he had seen when the beast killed Eric. And then... They were beneath the palm trees. Kaylee stumbled to a halt a few steps past the safety of the tree line, then fell to her knees, her breaths coming in gasping heaves. She was not used to running that way. Then again, Yili found he had to lean against the trunk of a palm tree for support. His heart raced so. Carol, though, when she broke through the tree line and stepped up next to them, she was wet, but probably that was still water from the sea. Her breathing was only slightly more rapid than normal, and she looked calm. No, that was not right. She looked enraged. 
The glare she cast Yili's way contained daggers. Why? Kaylee noticed the glare as well and rose. Rather, she forced herself, painfully, Yili thought, to her feet and walked over to Carol. Though two women had a long and hushed conversation. To spare his ears, Yili was sure, but also, probably, because of Carol's limited vocabulary. Finally, Kaylee stepped back from Carol, looking up at her and nodding, a small smile on her face. Carol still frowned, but it was more speculative than angry. She looked at Yili, and their eyes met. Her eyes had depths he had never dreamt a woman could have. Intelligence, confidence, courage, knowledge, all those things and more were contained in her gaze. All of a sudden, Yili felt unworthy and ashamed. He lowered his eyes and breathed a soft apology for what he was not sure. It just seemed the appropriate thing to do. He looked back up in time to see Carol's nod of acceptance before she turned away. Shumei's frown would have been enough to darken the sun, had cloud cover not already accomplished that feat. You are sure of this? Yili nodded. We got away just in time. They sat within Shumei's hut, out of the way from the others at the uphill edge of the village. Unlike many others of the village huts, Shumei's had the feel of having been lived in for ages. And no wonder why. By tradition, it passed from the wisest of the elders when the previous wisest passed on. Generations of the wise had left an indelible mark on the place. Tokens of power hung from the ceiling, and the walls were painted and carved with the history of the people. Regardless of what happened to the other huts in the village, and for one reason or another most were replaced periodically, this one stood inviolate. Permanent. Just like its occupants. The individual might fade away to take its place with the gods, but the position of wisest would always be there, would always live on. Shumei licked her lips and turned away from Yili. She stepped over to the wall carvings to the left of the hut entrance. Reaching up, she ran withered fingers along the carvings as though reading them through her fingertips. And who knows, she may have been doing just that. The wisest possessed abilities and insights the rest of the people did not. Did Kaylee see it? Yili shook his head. No. He paused, replaying the event in his mind. Finally, he added, But she has never been to the beach before. She may not have known what to look for. Or she may have convinced herself she was imagining things. Shame made him lower his eyes. I know I did, the first time I saw it. Not so long ago, that. Would Eric still be alive had he recognized what he was seeing? If he had acted sooner? Yili could only tell himself it all would have happened the way it did. It had been the will of the gods, but he was not so sure he believed that. Shumei nodded slowly, her lips pursed in thought. And the woman? Yili noticed Shumei never called Carol by name and wondered about it. He knew better than to ask, though. He shook his head. She was confused and angry at me. If she had seen it, she would not have been angry if she had recognized the danger. That did not need to be said, though. Shumei nodded then let out a breath that Yili had not realized she was holding. So long as it remains confined to the beach, it is not a problem, hopefully. She was silent for a time. Yili eventually took the silence to indicate he was dismissed, and he turned away from her toward the hut entrance. He was just about to exit when Shumei spoke again, stopping him in his tracks. What is this thing, this e-perb? She recovered from the sight. Yili looked back at Shumei and spread his hands helplessly. I tried to ask her, but she did not have the language to explain. She seemed happy to find it, though. Ecstatic. She may nod it again, noticeably more slowly this time. Then she waved Yili out with a dismissive gesture of her hand. 
Yili took no offense. At first, Carol's spirits were up, buoyed high by her find, whatever it was. But then, on the morning of the third day after the discovery, she emerged from her tent, distraught. Her eyes were baggy, with dark circles beneath them as though she had not slept, and her cheeks were smudged, the ever-present dirt streaked below her eyes by what could only have been tears. She carried the E-perb in her hand like a club, and wore her usual scrap of a top and tight loincloth that came down to her thighs. Carol stalked across the village, past the fire pit and the multitude of huts surrounding it, past the tanning tent and the cook's preparation area to the edge of the village. There she stood for a short while, her breath initially rapid but slowly becoming deeper, more normal. Then, with a shout of humiliation and despair, she curled backwards and hurled the Eperb out of the camp toward a steep drop-off that plunged several hundred feet to the base of the mountain. It was practically a cliff. Yili watched as the object flew away, but remained silent. He simply walked toward where she stood, breathing slowly in and out. She did not acknowledge his presence for a long time. Her eyes stared down the drop-off, looking but not seeing. Finally, after many minutes, she shook herself and turned away, her head erect and her lips compressed into a scowl, the kind of scowl that said she intended to fight to the end. But fight against what? Yili thought he knew, but what he suspected... Nah, it could not be. Carol stalked away from him, never acknowledging his presence. She passed through the outskirts of the village, ignoring the tents, the fire pits, the latrine holes, the stares of the people who had seen her outburst and now watched her the way a person watches a venomous snake, wary, ready to flee or fight in a heartbeat. Then she disappeared into the woods beyond the village's edge, her lean form quickly lost amongst the tree trunks. Kaylee would not see reason. For whatever reason... She had grown attached to Carol over the last week or more. Barely half a minute had passed after she disappeared into the woods before Kaylee pushed past the women she had been working with and began rushing toward the forest where Carol had gone. Ely managed to catch up to her and stop her before she could get too far. But she fought against him, actually pulled away from him with an angry shout. He tried to restrain her, to talk to her, but all she would say was that Carol needed help, that she was her friend, and she had to be there for her. In the end, Kaylee had squirmed free and dashed off into the woods after the godwoman, leaving Yidli standing there, stunned. It was Shumei's voice that stirred him to action. You must go after her. Yidli nodded. Kaylee does not know. No! The correction was blunt, almost harsh. The woman. Shumei's tone was severe. Cold. She has grown unstable. She is upset. Shumei did not reply. Though she stood behind him, Yidi could see the doubt on her face. He sighed. What must I do? What you have always known, you must. Protect the people. Yidi closed his eyes and took a long, deep breath. Protect the people. Against the beast that was an eternal threat to their well-being. Against the godwoman who threatened to set the beast free. But she had not done anything to suggest she could or would do that. And if she waits until we are not prepared... How had Shumei known his thoughts? Then it may already be too late. The pain in his heart as Yidi considered her words was as real, as agonizing, as the time he burned his leg in the fire pit. It had been weeks before he was able to walk again without living in a world of pain. If he did this, how long would it be before his heart healed? He sensed Shumei about to say something more, 
but before she could, he hurried from the village and into the woods. Okay, that's where we're going to end this one. Should be enough for one more episode to finish the story off. And it seems like this is a suitably confusing slash suspenseful slash what the heck's going on kind of place to go. Why was Carol so... Why did she throw away her magic talisman? And what, dear God, does Shumei and Yili think they're doing? And why is Yili, is Yili really going to go what we think he's going to do? Is Carol really a threat? I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out in the next episode and see what happens in the great conclusion. Um, if you can't wait that long, of course, you can always go buy the book. Of course, as I'm reading it through, I'm finding all kinds of little errors that got missed in the initial editing process, so I'll be re-uploading new versions. And I've realized that I've reformatted all my stories into a much better formatting uh, conveyance than I had to use before, and I thought I got them all done that way, except not this one. So I'll be re-uploading it anyway once I finish the read-through and uh, finding any residual errors. Uh, so it'll look a lot nicer. So I guess that's a good way of saying, hey, if you're going to buy it, maybe you should buy it after the next couple days. Give me some time to uh, re-upload it. And uh, I'll go from there. Uh, come by the website, say hi. I'll drop an email at michaelkingswood.com. Uh, again, Facebook, I'm almost ever there, but you can find my page. And you can leave comments here on the podcast and the video. Now, if you all my books, you can go to michaelkingswood.com and click on bookstore link or go to ssnstorytelling.com and you can get a couple of different uh, ebook and audiobook link and the print book link. I've got them split up because I have a different delivery system for print book than for ebook and audio. And yeah, that's about it. Hope you guys have a good New Year's. I'll talk to you next week with the next chapter, part, conclusion, whatever you want to call it. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. You can find me online at michaelkingswood.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. My web store is ssnstorytelling.com where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, but if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mail list through the contact form at my website. I guarantee not to spam you, only send an email when I have some news to share. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music, copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. 